some feet and pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. <laughs> then they, they would have some feet, invent shoes, and pull yourselves up by your bootstraps like I have. Then, then they would have made it onto land as the first steps. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I have to look. Okay. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Drew, Drew gunked me the first time, tricked me into doing the intro, and it wasn't real. Uh, this devious. is Demonstrate Dolo. We're a Magic the Gathering podcast doing everything from deck tech set discussions and set dissections as well. Whenever he, he tricks me, I always screw up the intro. And you know what? <laughs> That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because mm-hmm. this is a very special month. This is the month of November. And um, we're going to have a theme that's going to be going through this whole month. Drew, what is what is our theme for the month? What we're going to try to do in November is uh, we're going we're gonna to tie our episodes together with the theme of bringing more people to the table. Um, our, our episodes up to this point, I think, have been... Uh, I, I don't necessarily want to say newcomer hostile, but I do think that's accurate. <laughs> I, think, I think if you're new, Ooh. our episodes up to this point have been, have been pretty difficult just to like wrap your head around if you're not, um, not already very into the hobby. So the idea is that in, uh, in November, we're going to be doing some things that are specifically, I think, new player focused. Either you're um, uh, preferably, I think, and also with the caveat of new to Commander specifically, um, primarily because we have discussed it internally and come to the conclusion that an audio only description of how to mechanically play Magic the Gathering is literally hell and <laughs> should not be forced Ugh. upon anyone. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it would be trend. a long time. It would take mm-hmm. a long time. There would be three people talking over each other to make the point <laughs> of how the rules work. Yeah. Um, and, you know, honestly, if you are brand, brand new to magic, I wouldn't say to start with Commander. I would say find your friends who who know how to play. And if mm-hmm. you are one of those people that I'm pretty sure isn't real, but if you are a person who doesn't have any friends that plays magic, and you have just got cards and said, what is this? I want to play it. And you have somehow never heard of it in the last, uh, what did it come out? 93. So 20 some odd years. Uh Um, then this is not, this is not necessarily where you're going to get the information you want, but you know what props to you for being so brand new to search (laughs) imagine the gathering podcast on Google. And pick what has got to be like the 80th option, like yeah. what has got to be the 80th, 90th option available, and go. Here's where I'm going to start. This but is if you did find us that game. way, if you did find us that way, I do think uh, Drew. Who did you say it was? Somebody released a pretty decent YouTube video of just how to play um, Magic: The Gathering mechanics so, wise. So the person that you should have seen long before us would have been Talarian Community College. They have a great video on just literally how to play it. I'm I'm positive it's actually under 15 minutes. It goes over all of the mechanics, goes over everything you would need to know to learn it. Or if you want something that's more interactive, uh, Magic the Gathering Arena, it's whenever you first download mm-hmm. it and set it up, it, the first thing it does is it walks you through a couple basically practice matches that will teach you how literally to play the cards and cast the spells and that type of thing. Yep, so two very good options, <clears throat> both of which requiring a computer. So go get on that, because you can listen to us there too. So you can yes. watch Tolarian Community College on one monitor, you can listen mm-hmm. to our podcast on your phone and on your mm-hmm. second monitor, you can play arena along with the Tolarian community college video. Yes, precisely. But for but people for- who mm-hmm. are new 
to commander and have a grasp yeah. of the rules. Mm-hmm. This is kind of what the series is going to be for those people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Drew, this, this first episode was your yeah. idea. So you go ahead and give us the intro and kind of what we're going to be talking about specifically today. Yeah. So today's episode is, is mostly, I think what's going to be, what's going to be a lot of people's first big question when you come to commander is how do you build the deck? It's how do I find a deck to play? Because commanders, I like core identity is the one. I think it's just the different rules around deck construction that are, that is something that very much so sets the entire format apart. I would argue even more so than like the life totals and everything else. So if you are, you know, let's say you've been playing standard, you've been playing any kind of tournament format at your LGS and you see people in between rounds playing a game of commander, you might be curious, like, why is everybody's deck look like a Yorion deck? What's going on here? Is this just a Yorion only format? And no, it's not. But um, <laughs> this episode in particular is going to be, um, each of us is going to, is going to kind of go through the ways in which we have do, we have uh, constructed uh, two of the decks that we do have and have played with, so that um, hopefully between I think we're going to do about six in total between the three of us, um, six ish examples. Something will resonate with you about how we have constructed decks that would probably help you along with building your first commander deck either from you build your deck first and then you find a commander for it or you find a commander that you want to build around and then build the deck afterwards. We should hopefully give you some starting pointers to help you out along that way. All right. That is a Mm -hmm. very good introduction. Um, And uh, who did we decide was going to uh, go first? I think it was you. You You declared you were going to do it. I was first. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. You said so, it was because you're relatively disorganized, and now your decks. I, are I didn't say I. I did not say I was disorganized. I said that uh, I am yes, a little yes, yes, manic. Yes. I. I know yeah, what's okay, in my yes. decks. Like I. I know all yeah. the cards. I just don't necessarily write it down and save deck lists on a computer. Mm-hmm. I um. Mm-hmm. I do things a little bit more. I don't know. Organically sounds like a really pretentious way to say it. Yeah, but, but it sounds that. correct. Fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that's kind of that is kind of what I do. So I have You're two an examples. Free range deck builder. Yeah, sorta. And I'm, yeah. you know, it makes the meat tender. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm going to start off talking about a deck because each of us is going after a deck that we built specifically around a commander and a deck that was specifically built around a idea or a theme Mm -hmm. or something in our brains. So it's kind of the idea of if you're new and you're like, Oh, this is a cool commander. I want to build around it. Or, Hey, this is a cool mechanic or card. I want to build around that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm going to talk about kind of how I got around to building a Kotho fed soul hoarder. I will read out the text just so everybody knows what it does. Cause then the cards mm-hmm. will make a little more sense. Uh, it is four and two black for a flying six, six legendary demon. Um, and it has the text whenever a permanent owned by another player is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you draw a card and you lose one life. The way that I got to that commander is because I really liked the idea um, there are some very weird cards in in magic and especially in black mm-hmm. um, that just that just hurt you. They just beat you up so bad and they make you lose a lot of life. And I was just like, is there a way to be specifically very annoying, kill everything and then die 
so that even if another player kills me, it doesn't matter because I got to mm. just do my thing anyway. Um, mm. And kind of the inspiration for the deck was a card called uh, Vendetta. Uh, it was just one black. It says, destroy target non-black creature. It can't be regenerated. You lose life equal to that creature's toughness. And I just saw that. And I'm like, wow, you can really die very quick. And black yeah. has a bunch of cards <laughs> like that. So I decided that that was the theme I was going to kind of go around. Uh, the way that I normally do things, and I actually don't suggest this, especially if you're a little <laughs> bit more, I don't, I, it's, it's a habit that I need to break, but I would suggest mm-hmm. using like a Google Drive document or something mm-hmm. that isn't Notepad because Notepad um, does not correct your spelling errors. So when you try to <laughs> import your deck list from Notepad, it doesn't work. So use something mm-hmm. like Google Drive, just 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I used to search for the cards, that because I knew I wanted to destroy creatures, lose life. So uh, in the earlier days of me building decks, I didn't know anything about EDH Rec or nothing. And if you're new, mm-hmm. I would say go to EDH Rec. It's just edhrec.com, uh, just mm-hmm. edhrec.com. It, it'll give you like a whole bunch of statistics, cards that are played, just in case you don't know names of like a trillion million cards. I think that's yeah. a good baseline. But what you can do on Gatherer, and I actually use my, there's an app for your phone. And this is the one I use the most truly at this point. Mm-hmm. It is called mm-hmm. MTG Familiar. Mm-hmm. And what you can do is you can just search a card for text. So you can just search specifically, lose life, destroy. And then you just hit the button and it will search. And it will, and you can set it to where it's like, um, you know, if you're like, I want to do that. And I want to see if there's any like black and red cards that do it. Or I want to see just like all of them. You know, there's little buttons you can hit for your commander identity and do that. But what I like to do is I'll search it. And then at the top, there's actually a button that randomizes the order. So you don't have to go alphabetical. And then so it's just you scroll. Oh, yeah, there's a button. I use this all (laughs) the time. So I just hit it and I scroll so I don't have to look through this big long list. And it's just, mm-hmm. hey, maybe accidentally they'll just send me to the next one that does the exact thing I'm looking mm-hmm. for instead of having to go card by card by card. Mm-hmm. Um, and wouldn't you know it, I got Reckless Spite on my second spin. So that was really good. Oh. And then what you can do on this app, this app that I like quite a bit, you can actually, um, there's a button that you can hit on the top right and just hit add to deck. And then you just select a deck that you might build because there's a thing that just lets you build a deck in that app and you can just throw Mm -hmm. it in there. And then just whenever you're like, what do I have in my deck? You just pull it up on your phone, just saved Mm -hmm. on an app and you don't have to, you know, dive so deep. It's something that you have with you at all times. So you can, you can casually look up a couple cards here. Oh yeah. 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 And I, I use that uh, quite frequently. Mm -hmm. And then, so that is how I ended up finding Kotha fed because you had to have a commander. And this one specifically says that when you kill some, or when something that somebody else has dies, you lose Mm -hmm. a life and draw a card. Uh, The reason I went with that, there are other things that make people lose more life. And that is true. But Mm -hmm. this also lets me draw a card as well as hurt myself, which gives me more things to do to blow them up. Card draw is very important um, Mm -hmm. in, in building your deck. And so, and that's just genuinely good advice. If you're new, yes, yes, it is. Put some card draw in it, but there are ways to find card draw that can work with your theme. Like I found mm-hmm. plenty, and Black's got a million of it. There's plenty mm-hmm. of good ways to draw cards and lose a bunch of life in Black. And mm-hmm. so that was one of the things I knew I needed to do. And I was just mm-hmm. like, all right, now we just search the phrase lose life, draw a card. 
And then I just take like eight or nine of those, put them into the deck. Um, this deck is kind of a an interesting example because for my other decks that I um, want to not die immediately, yeah. mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. numbers would be different. Like uh, like in my Snapdex <laughs> deck, which I'll talk about in a little bit because I just built it specifically around the commander. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did a 15-15 split of just cards that were like keyword soup and then 15 okay. mutators. And there's an actual reason that I mm-hmm. did those kinds of things where this deck is just I grabbed almost every single lose life kill things because mm-hmm. playing well is ultimately not what you're trying to do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because like to kill some things. Yeah, because Suicide Black is is a deck archetype that exists within Magic and has for a long time. Where generally the concept is you you can win at any cost. I mean, if you win the game by putting yourself at one life, you've still won the game. It doesn't matter that you got rid of so much of your own life. It's just that this particular mm-hmm. deck doesn't use your life as a resource to win. You just you're just killing yourself. It's, it's um it's yeah it is emblematic of a, of a of a thing that i like to say which is just if at first you don't succeed redefine success right because the, yeah it, it seems like you know i mean and definitely correct me but it's like the 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 win condition for this deck is to be at zero life and lose whatever you can do to accelerate <laughs> that however mm-hmm. awful you can make it on the way down the better yes and and there mm-hmm. are ways there are ways in black to actually lose faster than i do but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like black has a lot of ways to just tutor tutor effects let you search through your library or grab a card and black is very yeah. good at getting just any card you want mm-hmm. um so that's a good tip for new players if you want to be able to consistently uh get cards into your hand that you want if you want to go like a combo route of getting specific things that'll interact in a cool way black might be a good starting point because they have some like expensive mana wise but cheap money wise ways of doing that so, yeah. mm-hmm. but you know, there are cards where I could lose a lot faster, but I specifically built the deck in such a way where I can't just die on my own. Like I mm-hmm. can't just kill myself. I have to specifically be killing other people's things <laughs> in order right. to truly yeah. die. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that there are some players who it's weird. Cause I don't know how many <laughs> I've met, but surely there have to be more players whose idea of magic is the experience and not so much the end game, the end the win or lose. Yeah. I yeah. think a lot yeah. of people do build that way. And that makes sense because it is a game and there mm-hmm. are winners and there yeah. are losers in the game. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I watch a movie for a lot more than the opening credits and the ending credits. <laughs> I typically yeah. Don't. Yeah. yeah. I don't care about those parts so much. And, and I think um, that's also key because, like you said, like Kothafed is a deck that you built. You built deck up. You built it from the actual ninety nine cards, and then found the commander afterwards. And I think that, like that mentality of going into the deck building process, I think that is an indicator that what you're trying to get out of this deck is the play. It's just mm-hmm. you want to you want to play the deck in a certain way, and that's not always necessarily going to be. I mean, like we see this like with uh, with uh, Vorthos decks and theme decks where winning is a secondary thing. It's more so the experience of playing and doing the decks thing is more important in this deck. Than yes, I that's yeah. very much the type of player that that I am is that um I I like to build around what is going to happen yeah. during and not and I focus a little less on the well, how does it how is it over? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and as a new player, that might be a, a slightly easier way to go because it, it could yeah. it could be a little daunting at the start because, like, honestly, the last thing that I want for a new player is if you're building a deck and you're just like, oh, man, because I'm also very impatient. I'm a very impatient yeah. person. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, if I was to build a deck from the ground up and I went into a pod because I don't ask for advice. You guys know this. I don't, I'm never in the discord being like, Hey, I need to cut like cards yeah. or anything. Like that. I just build them yeah. and I'll have new decks that you guys play against because yeah. I'm, I'm very internal and I want to do my thing exactly my way. Yeah. And I think that there are a lot of players. It's the expression thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then, so, you know, if I come up with this great idea and I'm just like, Oh man, I got this perfect way to win that I went and found on my own. And then I just get stomped at a table by like three other people. <laughs> like yeah. that's going to be devastating. I so I I do think that you should maybe maybe not go full on combo dedicated to like this one crazy way to win like right mm-hmm. off the jump. I think you know good stuff decks like the stuff that I have in this deck. I have like cabal coffers. Like I have some staples. I just use mm-hmm. them wrong. Like you know, right. there's nothing wrong with a good stuff deck at the start, yeah. especially if you can find a theme. If your thing is like oh trample. There's plenty of good cards with trample. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just—it's just about finding them, and maybe don't focus exactly so much on like what is the way that I, you know, zero to forty, all yeah. of the people mm-hmm. at this table. Just focus on doing the things, and then just seeing how much damage you end up dishing out. And if you feel like, hey, man, I can actually, I can actually like dole out some things here, then then <laughs> you can start the tweaking process. I would say it's, at that point. Right. That's typically yeah. how I go. Yeah. Is that I'll do it. I'll see like if my deck can't hang, I'll make changes. But mm-hmm. I I typically don't fine tune until a little later. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. All of these decks will have the benefit of it, uh, of the three of us. We've we've played together for quite a while, and I think all of these decks we have also played against a good number of times. Like it's the mm-hmm. the Fed deck in specific. I will say it's I I have you know I I do not know that I've ever seen it win a game, but I have almost always seen it really hurt every player yeah every time it's at the table and i think especially like you and you touched on this if you're if you're a new player and you're in your headspace is that you want to you're coming to commander and maybe you're coming from tournament magic and you're coming into it with that kind of uh with that tournament mentality of you're trying to win more games than you lose well i'll say this like in in tournament magic having a win rate of 55 percent is good because that means that you are you're one you're beating the statistical average a decent amount of time in commander a deck that wins 50 for 55 percent of the time i would argue <laughs> is literally mathematically impossible you're you're when you yeah there's table, a lot of mm-hmm. elements working mm-hmm. against yeah it. It, it's yeah. you have at, at you know as a as a pure uh, math reference you have at best a 25 percent chance to win any given game so i think if you're coming into commander you know definitely try to affect the board and and i guess you know if, if you're in game for your deck or for your play style is to try to win the match try to do that but i do think that as you are getting into it i think a focus on can I build a deck and then can my idea for that deck, can I actually execute that in a game? I feel like that's a better uh, rubric to give yourself early on because you're more likely to do your deck's thing in a given game than you are to win necessarily. Yes. And so I think you're mm-hmm. setting yourself up for success more so. If like in the Kothaved deck, Kothaved, if it wins, it he's not going to not win. But what he's going to try yeah. to do is interact with other people's boards and hurt himself along the way. 
Yeah, it's I, a, like, think, the success I do rate technically have a win con in there. Like I can, if I get myself to like one mm-hmm. and then I repay mm-hmm. in kind and put everybody at one, I can then pox yeah, right. and have everyone lose at the same time. Yeah, um, right. The deck's got win cons. <laughs> yeah, it's got, it's got them in there. Um, mm-hmm. But the other deck I wanted to talk about, because that, because Cote the Fed is 100%, and I know that some tables aren't into decks that have no real win condition, but I do think mm-hmm. that a, a new playing strategy is to just play the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, just actually get in there, play the game, play some cards, wiggle around, and then if you find, like, a couple of lines that actually, like, do a lot more than you were probably expecting, I would mm-hmm. say maybe build off of that. Like, you know, if uh, you have Kotha Fed and there's, like, a thing that's, like, a board wipe and you draw cards after mm-hmm. you do the mm-hmm. board wipe and you're like, oh, oh, okay. That's pretty devastating. That's pretty stinky. Is there anything I can do with like <laughs> drawing cards? Because I do a lot of that. And then you can throw like, um, uh, who's that artifact guy? Oh, uh, the, the five oh, drop Geth- artifact. Geth- 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 the vault. Is that who you're talking about? No, the, the five drop artifact that whenever you draw a card, you deal a damage to each opponent. Oh, um, oh, Psychosis Crawler. Psychosis yeah, Psychosis Crawler. Crawler. That's the one. Yep. It's a five-drop yeah. artifact creature, power toughness equal to the number of cards in your hand, and whenever you draw a card, each opponent takes one damage. So you can go that mm-hmm. route. if You you can grind them out that way. Um, the next deck is um, Snapdax, Apex of the Hunt. Uh, when mm-hmm. Ikoria came out, I said to the group, I said, if I can pull that alternate art Snapdax in this booster <laughs> box, I'm going to build it. And mm-hmm. I not only got that, but it was also foil. So I said, okay, <laughs> I'm going to build Snapdax, Apex of the Hunt. Um, and this one I kind of built a little bit. It's not like Kothafed. <laughs> it mm-hmm. It's a lot more, t- I don't know if tuned is the right word, just because mutate isn't the strongest mechanic, but it is very yeah. fun. But it is definitely yeah. like a little bit more cohesive. There's a little mm-hmm. bit more uh, things going on here. Um, so I'll read out Snapdax just, just so everybody at home knows. It is one, a red, a white, and a black, so four mana in total for a legendary creature dinosaur cat nightmare. Uh, it has double strike, and whenever this creature mutates, it deals four damage to target creature or planeswalker and opponent controls, and you gain four life. And it is a three, five, and it also has mutate uh, for two, a black or red, and then two white. So five mana in total to mutate. Two of it has to be white, but then the other one can be uh, black or red, and then two of whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And that is a lot of text and things that I've just read out. Mm-hmm. But essentially what Mutate yeah. does is if you have a creature on the battlefield that is not a human, uh, you can pay the creature's Mutate cost and then put it on the top or bottom of that creature. And so let's say that you have out like a Ornithopter, just a zero drop, zero one flyer. Mm-hmm. that's just an artifact creature mm-hmm. i think it's a it's a thopter of course yeah and you're yeah. like zero okay two. this is this is a a zero two flying thopter well if you have the mana you can mutate snapdax on top of it and it's going to have all of the text of both ornithopter and snapdax and so now it is a three five flying double strike dinosaur cat <laughs> nightmare and thopter Thopter. No, no, no. Yeah. It actually loses the other creature type. Whatever's oh, on top okay. is the creature type. Right. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. wondering about that. Okay. Um, and so I looked at this is, and this is a thing that I like to do. Uh, I like to use every bit of the every bit of the animal. Um, <laughs> so I like to look at just all the lines of text and figure out, okay, what can we do with all of these parts of this card if I'm building around a commander? 
Um, and there are some people who will build a commander and they'll only build around one specific thing. I personally yeah. like it yes. more to try to hit each of the bits. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I think that that's more of a fun deck building challenge. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it also doesn't mean that like some of it's going to waste. And, and yeah. so like, for instance, I'm going to pull out this card here. This card is called Shocker. I like this card a lot. It is one in a red for a 1-1 insect. And it says, if Shocker damages any player, they discard their hand, then draw a new hand of as many cards as they had before. This is old wording. It would be written a little better now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's just a 1-1 insect. Um, So traditionally, this insect would hit somebody for one, and they discard their hand. Um, But with Snapdax mutated on top of it, this is now a (laughs) 3-5 insect that hits two times because of Double Strike. So if somebody has a hand of seven, you're going to make them get a whole new hand, then discard that whole <laughs> new hand, and then draw a whole new hand. And that's just mm-hmm. that's just great to me. Yeah, and so I just looked for, yeah. for anything that dealt damage, like anything that triggered on damage to players, I looked for that. I looked for just keywords like double strike or flying or vigilance, just so mm-hmm. you could make the biggest keyword soup kind of creature that you possibly could and you just try to dome people with creatures on the ground or in the sky sometimes uh as much as you could and so with that one i wanted to do a pretty even split as to not get horribly bogged down so i went 15 creatures with keywords or on hit effects and then 15 mutators so that i could constantly be triggering mutate Mm -hmm. um and you know i was just i jot all these down in my notepad or on my mtg familiar app uh, I think that having just a deck of 60 creatures can work, <laughs> but I wouldn't suggest <laughs> sure, it yeah. soon. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't suggest it for a red, white, black deck necessarily. Yeah. I think uh-huh. a green deck can get away with it. I think I think a deck that has green and another color can get away with it. I do mm-hmm. not think that this color combination can get away with it. And that's more you know, uh, mm-hmm. color philosophy, all this thing. It's just that these colors aren't ones that can like draw a lot of cards based off of creatures and, and things like right. that. So you can it's get all, left in the dust if you get hit with the board. Wipe yeah. Or something. It's all, it's also mm-hmm. like an, all your eggs in one basket thing. Like it just, if you have, you know, dedicated 60, like 60 cards literally is base is basically all of your cards minus the lands, which means that if someone mm-hmm. at the table is planning for creatures, which I will say, um, as someone who does run predominantly creature-heavy <laughs> decks, is every table, every table runs mm-hmm. answers to creatures. You're you're basically just building yourself up to get kind of blown out. Having a diversity in your deck is just going to make your deck more successful on average. Yes, and normally that doesn't matter as much mm-hmm. to me. Like I said, I I'm kind of I like to fly by the seat of my pants. We played Magic the other night, and like my. My highlights of the game where I played Pandemonium, so people got to hurt each other, and I Aetherflux <laughs> yeah. Reservoired somebody and left myself at two life. As <laughs> yep. It's kind of yep. what happens. It's just, yeah. you know, impactful. But this yes. game, I wanted it yeah. to be just uh, a little better for this deck. And so, like, you know, I packed uh, my answers. Mm-hmm. I believe that I have, in this deck, I kind of went, I think this is pretty average, too. I went three board wipes, um, and then roughly seven eight kind of just like good answers just kind of all around mm-hmm. for if anybody's playing creature shenanigans mm-hmm. um and then i also have thinking of the numbers i have a decent amount of cards that can protect my creatures 
Yep. Um, because I am a very creature focused mm-hmm. deck. So I have things that will like exile them and return them to the battlefield at the end of turn. So I can dodge a board wipe that way. And with mutate, if you have a, like a pile of three creatures all mutated together and you exile them and they come back, they actually will come back split apart. So you turn one body essentially into three, <laughs> which is, mm-hmm. you know, pretty cool using all parts of the card. Use every bit yeah, of the animal. Yeah. And then like, um, you know, I typically run about seven mana rocks. I like my mana rocks and my, <laughs> and my quick things. But this and one is a lot also... more traditional. I kind of just went, mm-hmm. I want this deck to be able to do its thing consistently because it only really has the one thing. Yeah. It's not quite mm-hmm. as varied as mm-hmm. some other decks that I might have. And I think it's also worth mentioning, like, if whenever you're looking at a deck and you want your deck to be able to deal with um, the, the threats that you can see coming, Snapdex has on it removal. You know, it's one, a double strike means that it's going to likely positively trade with most things that it attacks or attacks into. But also whenever you get the mutate trigger, that's four damage to a creature. So, like, I think that's mm-hmm. also something key there where it's your, in this deck specifically, when you're looking at, like, having all of the general answers, your commander in the command zone, you've got some form of removal. Oh, yeah. Conditional, but it's still there. There's a sneaky bit. There's a sneaky bit in there, too, because I have um, I have some cards with uh, Death Touch. And then so mm-hmm. if I mutate Snapdax onto something with Death Touch, the four damage it deals to a creature is going to be enough to kill it no matter what. So right. if somebody's got like a 9-9, nine, nine, I just say, okay, Death Touch Snapdax will deal four damage to it, and then it dies. And then I will gain four <laughs> life. And if I give Snapdax lifelink somehow, I'll have it mutate onto a lifelinker, the four damage will gain me eight life instead of just the four, because its ability gives me four, and then the damage it deals gives me four from lifelink. Right. So there's yeah. some silly shenanigans. Um, and just a, another quick thing is that if you are going to build around this kind of a mutate strategy one thing that i did do is that most of my board wipes are things like um i'll just read off one but it's frexian rebirth which is four and two white and it destroys all creatures then gives you an xx colorless horror artifact creature token where x is the number of creatures destroyed this way because it leaves behind on the board something that is non-human that you can then mutate onto and just keep the ball Mm -hmm. rolling Mm -hmm. yeah and so that was Smart. my 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 deck building process for Snapdex was vastly different than Kothafed. It was more um definitely a lot more intentional. Yes, yeah, a lot, mm-hmm. a lot more deliberate about card choice, a lot more focused in that kind of thing. Yeah. And so you, uh, you, had, you had like specific roles in the deck that you were trying to fill with the yes. cards that you would find. I'm actually yeah. very proud of all three of my mutate decks. And so if anybody <laughs> is new, cause mutates weird. So legitimately, yes. if anybody's listening yeah. and they're new, cause mutates a weirder thing for newer players to kind of grasp, I think. Mm-hmm. And you have any yeah. questions, I'll answer them. I love mutate and I'll, I'll help you build a mutate commander. I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah. do it. I like it a lot. <laughs> I do and like it just, a lot. It does work. It's just weird. genuine. But it's yeah, not my, a that's super my process. Mechanic. Yeah, it's not. Mm. It's not the craziest thing. It's um, it's just it's it's very loose. I don't um, another thing because I know that Drew will go into it in his, but I <laughs> yeah. typically mm-hmm. don't end up with a lot of cards like in maybe slots. I kind mm-hmm. of just will look on the gatherer and just be like, okay, well I know outright that this is better than this one. So I'm just going to not have the other one. And then I just make that decision on the fly. And then just that's, that's Mm -hmm. it now Mm -hmm. that's official. We, we paste that. (laughs) 
into my brain, <laughs> even if it's wrong. And I, I hate right, having more yeah. than a hundred cards in my deck. So once I hit a hundred, <laughs> I typically, mm-hmm, I typically mm-hmm. am like, all right, that's it. Let's order the cards and, and go. <laughs> that's it. All right. Yeah. Uh, All right. So from there, uh, we didn't decide this, uh, but Josh, do you want to go next? You want me to go next? What do you want to do? Uh, I can go next. I'm ready. I'm willing. Yeah, hit it and up, I'm Jay. Able. Hit it up. Okay. Okay, so for me, I do feel like, in general, when I am building a, a commander deck, uh, I usually am starting off with the deck. I I really I I do have an example of building a deck from from the commander essentially, but even that technically had a step before the commander. Um that that's just me personally. I I have not currently been in a spot necessarily where I just saw a legendary creature and was like I just specifically like that creature and I'm going to build it. Um mm-hmm. and that's just my deck philosophy. I I I either like uh, a certain mechanic or just a a general concept usually i end up going with that um and that it pros and cons it's like there's a lot of flexibility there if that's what you're going from but then it also can be a little overwhelming if you have a hard time narrowing things down but as a specific example for a deck that i went deck first and then found a commander um I actually had for a 60 card casual deck, a deck that I called Sickly Steven, where mm-hmm. the concept of that deck was I I wanted to make things rough for everybody in terms of everyone's losing life, all of us, and I wanted to kill creatures consistently. It, it It's what is called stacks. For, for those that aren't familiar with the term, it's based on the card <laughs> smokestacks. It's a situation where you make the game difficult for everybody because it's hard to keep things in play and everyone's losing life, but you set things up so that you are more okay in the terrible circumstances that you have created. I, yeah. I really enjoy playing that. I don't know why it probably speaks ill of me, but I do. Um, <laughs> Going going into into uh, working on this deck, I I had at least a, a solid number handful of cards that were like staple things in my brain that did what I liked in this. Um, I had in mind the card Pestilence, which is a classic black enchantment. It's a four drop black enchantment where you can just pay uh, one black mana to deal one damage to each creature and each player. The enchantment goes away once there's no creatures in play. But in general, you're probably going to be using this to, for the most part, just go ahead and kill everything. Um, mm-hmm. And and part part of what I really like about this card and cards that work like this is that, yes, it's hurting my opponents, but it is targeting no one. I'm not choosing. I, I'm not singling anyone out. Even on this card, it also hurts me and all my creatures. I'm not mm. I'm essentially making a minimal amount of decisions, but I am progressing the game. I, I'm doing what I want while uh, <laughs> making essentially making myself an enemy of everyone, but not making myself an enemy <laughs> of anyone in particular. I enjoy yeah. that. Um, okay, you're an enemy will, of the royal we. I will yeah. say I will say. Uh, well, I have two things to say. Um, okay. The first thing is for newer players, 
um, mm-hmm. newer players coming through, you you may really want to start with stacks. You may really <laughs> want to do it, mm-hmm. but it is it does just make in you case you target. don't know all of the. Mm-hmm. Well, it can it can in certain game stores, certain play groups, it can make you kind of a pariah, and people will mm-hmm. might not want to play with you. It's a very mm-hmm. what's the word? It's a it's a, it's a, a uh, no, no, no. It's it's got a it's got a aura. Stack stacks have okay. an aura. Like like the people who don't like it really do not like it. The people who yeah. do like yeah. it probably don't want you to play it if they're also <laughs> going to play it. Um, but but <laughs> sure, I do yeah. think that there is something to be said about the idea of mm-hmm. if you are a first time player, um, sort of the idea of. And, you know, I, I don't know if it would work for every player, but, you know, there's probably some that play more like me and there's probably some that play more like you, which is mitigating uh, decisions and mitigating interaction. Yeah. yeah. It, there, mm-hmm. there is something to be said about the fact that if you are right off the cuff being like, oh, man, I got to blow up all these creatures. I have to make all these decisions. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know. You might necessarily not know um, threat assessment. You might not know what the biggest, baddest creature in somebody's deck is. You might mm-hmm. make a wrong decision and everyone gets a stink. So if you just have cards that kind of play themselves, you can mm-hmm. still do the game. You can make an impact, but you're not outright. Yeah. You don't have to do the thing of struggling with just like, oh man, what do I need to use my yeah. removal what do I on? Hit? And Who that do kind I of hit? Thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a little bit like Kotha Fed, but Kotha Fed has a million targeted spells. There's so right, many yeah. targeted spells in that yeah. deck, so it's, it's vastly and, different. Yeah, it, it's the difference between Kothafed is kind of um. If anybody, if you're listening to this and you've played like a, a first person shooter at all, Kothafed is kind of playing a spray and pray kind of game where it's just letting loose, it's shooting in all directions, it's going to hit some of this guy's things, some of this player's stuff, and it's eventually going to probably get to everybody. But it's mostly just pointing and shooting. Whereas Josh's deck, as he described it, is kind of just like throwing grenades indiscriminately. Yeah, it's AOE yeah. everywhere. Yeah, yeah. it's going to just hit <laughs> including everybody. Me. Yeah. yeah, including himself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I and um, I will say this, and it's not it's not, you know, once again, every player might be different, but I think that there is something that happens in a new player's brain, like the first time that you get to be arch enemy, mm-hmm, like the first mm-hmm. time that your deck has been the one, like, and especially if you're doing it in a way where everyone's not like mad, but they're just like, oh man, you're the threat. We, yeah, what are you yeah. doing? But it's not like, oh man, the game sucks. We hate you. But it's more just like, oh geez, why are you doing this? Like, you know, like like friend banter and not like actual maliciousness. <laughs> yeah. Like there's something yeah. that goes in your brain like everyone is everybody's coming after me. I did that with my little old deck. That's yeah, that's fun. It might be rough to deal with, but it's a sign of success. You're having a big effect. And I mean that <laughs> that is, you know, as Daniel was saying, sometimes you just want to have a big effect. Even if you don't win, you know, doing something counts. It means you played the game, you made your mark. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so the, that concept of stuff, I, I heavily went with the idea of, yeah, hurting everybody, hurting everything. I'm not going to target. I, in this deck, I didn't want to run a single thing, even if it was effective at dealing damage or getting rid of things. If it targeted, if I had to choose a player, I didn't want to run it because that is also just a part of how I personally build decks. I I don't even know really why I do it, but I set distinct restrictions and I am really loath to go outside of it 
even if it would maybe make the deck a little better, I want the experience mm-hmm. of these were my limitations. This was specifically yeah. what I wanted to do. And I don't want to go outside of that. Well, um, I do want to touch on, um, because you were saying, you know, you were just talking about broad effects, right? So mm-hmm. what is an example? Like, cause targeted is a, is a pretty magic term. What kind of things yeah. did you like search for to find things that just kind of hit everybody? Like, what, Oh yeah. Yeah. What, did, what I, specifically are some keywords people can use there? I, in searching for things, I looked for stuff like, uh, each player loses life or each opponent mm-hmm. loses life. I do have things that just hit opponents and not me. So I, those were two sets of things I looked for. Um, yeah, it, it was primarily the each opponent, each player, then tack onto that uh, loses life or specifically sacrifices a creature or creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted those spread out effects and that, that, that is how I searched for things like that. Um, and in that vein, I mean, uh, two, two other cards that I kind of started off with on building this deck, uh, and gave it the, uh, you know, starting off with pestilence too, gave it the flavor of being sickly Steven. Uh, there's mm-hmm. smallpox and pox, um, smallpox. <laughs> it's effect is each player loses one life, discards a card, sacrifices a creature then sacrifices a land that hits everyone, including me. Um, and then Pox <laughs> does that same list of things, except it makes you lose a third of each of those things for one more black mana. And it's it's beautiful. And I do specifically also really love the idea of everyone losing that a fraction of their life, the specific set fraction. I, I really enjoyed that feel too, um, which is how I ended up with things like um dire fleet ravager is a slightly more recent card which makes each player lose a third of their life rounded up that's on that's on a creature um mm-hmm. so so yeah you can also if you really like the effects of a card like that you can try to try to uh pull out certain keywords off of the card to try to find things that do similar things you're not always going to find things that do the exact sort of stuff but you can um so that was kind of my my starting point of what I wanted. Um, I was able to from there by doing, yeah, the searches of each player loses life, each player sacrifices things. I, I built up um, a good foundation of a lot of uh, sorceries and some enchantments that make those sort of effects happen. Uh, mm-hmm. One of my t- particular favorites that I found and put in this deck was Tainted Aether, which is a four drop black enchantment that says... Whenever a creature enters the battlefield, its controller sacrifices a creature or land. So it doesn't have a big effect when it hits, but it does that exact thing of people are going to have a hard time keeping creatures out, even me. And yes, and that led me to a a situation where I, I knew in this deck, I'm not going to be able to keep my own creatures around often not just because other opponents might destroy them, but because I'm going to be killing all of my own things. <laughs> so yeah. I, I did not build this deck around creatures with effects that I want to stick around. I, I knew that I was going to look for creatures that have enter the battlefield abilities that I liked and, or leaves the battlefield or dies effects that I like. And all of my creatures mm-hmm. pretty much do that. Um, now, I had at that point, I have a pretty solid 
concept of a deck and, and set of things. Um, in looking at the commander early on in this, because I so specifically liked the um, someone losing whatever percentage of their life, um, Daniel had actually ended up with a Virtus the Veiled from Battle Bond. Um, Virtus mm-hmm. the Veiled is for uh, a black and two other. You get a 1 1 legendary Azra Assassin with death, death Touch. And whenever he deals combat damage to a player, that player loses half their life rounded up. I, I love that ability. It's wonderful. I played this deck with him as the commander for a very long time. But the problem there is I'm having to A, keep this creature around long enough to attack with it, which I can't always do because of the situations I build. And because secondly, of what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And secondly, I have to choose a player to attack. I, mm-hmm. It was so close to being what I wanted, but not quite. Then when I went to the throne of Eldraine, uh, pre-release, I pulled an Iara first of Lockthwain. She is for specifically three black. You get a two, three elf noble. When she or another black creature enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent loses one life and you gain a life. Also, you can tap her and sack another black creature to draw a card. She she does the deck perfect in terms of she has the ETB of opponents mm-hmm. losing life, you gaining life. And also mm-hmm. all of your other creatures now are causing that ETB to make them lose life. And on top of that, she is a sack outlet. So for my for some of my creatures that specifically need to die, I can do that reliably and get card draw off it. I she she showed up. She was revealed and that de- set came out after I already had this deck and she she filled the slot perfectly of what I needed this deck to do. So so, so it's very it's solidly. A... I had the deck first and then the commander came along. It just kind of happened about. So, it, I mean, yeah. though, this deck, like in its current form, IR is probably the best thing you've, you've at least encountered so far. But this is a yeah. deck where you're you're pretty readily open to a new legendary creature coming out that fits the color identity and just literally yes. swapping it over. If totally. One came out, yeah. Just fit it yeah. Yeah. IR okay. is so such a good fit that it'd be tough to think of what it could be, but it, it could totally happen. Mm-hmm. I am not. She is not the point of the deck. What she does yeah. matches the point of the deck matches with it and so really then um so this is also a deck that i think it's kind of a useful headspace for newer players where your deck you could also just on a whim experiment with a new commander just basically yeah, whenever yeah because exactly it's the the ir like you said fits the deck what it's currently doing but if another one came out that you were even just interested in or you just mm-hmm. wanted the deck to play a little differently you can just kind of slot it in and out yeah, which I do yeah, like the that, idea of that. that. Is... I've never done that with the deck, but I love the idea of just, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to have the 99 stay the same, but yeah, you can totally just, if another commander fits, try it out. See how it plays. Yeah, that's yeah. that's one benefit to building around a, um, a theme or a mechanic or an idea mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to building around a specific legendary. Like maybe with... Yeah. With Mutate specifically, it might be a little harder because, you know, <laughs> if I can't just swap my Snapdags for another Mardu... Uh, legendary yeah. mutator like i'd have to change a lot but like a thing like yeah. a sacrifice deck or a uh you know just kill creatures ETBs. deck in black yeah. there's yeah and mono mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of good options like kakusho is in that deck and yeah. you could easily have kakusho just be the commander and i think that it would not oh. change anything really about mm-hmm. how that deck would go yeah, yeah that's not that wrong anything yeah he, he's the only other legendary but yeah totally i i could see how that played 
which I like that idea. Like I said, I, I know that you, Daniel, have some decks where you do that, where you have a number of legendaries in the deck that are the right colors and you switch out. And I like that for variety, but I don't currently have a deck that does mm-hmm. that. I, I think that it's a thing because like it's we're, we're kind of two for two on that, where it's if your deck is built from the 99 up. I mean, it, it seems obvious to kind of say it this way, but that means that the commander is ultimately arbitrary. And so that mm-hmm. does give you the ability, especially again, if you're new, you're going to be discovering a lot of legendary creatures. Building a deck that way does also present you with the opportunity to try out a lot of commanders and kind of see mm-hmm. if there's one that you end up gravitating toward because you're 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 the least committed to that one card. Yeah. If you've already, if you built the deck first and found the commander afterwards. Yeah. yeah. And I I, th- I think for new players that's a pretty easy grasp, especially if you're starting small, like mm-hmm. a one or two mm-hmm. color deck. It will get more difficult the more colors you add until you get to five. Yes. Um mm-hmm. But like, you know, you're going four color, not too many options, three color. Most three color commanders will start doing things very different than other ones in the same colors. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it it is still possible. And that is, I think, a good way to yeah. kind of experiment. Um, because sometimes that that you might have a deck that you think isn't really working. And it really might just be the fact that the thing in your command zone isn't quite clicking the way that you yeah. wish it would. And you just can swap it out yeah. try something else that way. Mm-hmm. Don't get discouraged, Absolutely. okay? Don't just immediately assume your deck is bad. Your commander yeah. might just not be meshing with the ideas you've got swimming in your brain. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, and a specific a specific on that is don't... Uh, sometimes I do forget about the partner commanders in terms of if I have a, you know, multicolored deck. You can... Mm-hmm. And especially with Commander Legends coming out, you have options of different pairings of commanders to, to fill that command zone with the right colors. And and if you're not set on what the commander is, you can do different things that way also. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, you you it, it also is completely valid if you want to build the deck all around the commander because the wonderful thing about the commander... Uh, format specifically is you always have this card available to you um yeah so moving on to my other deck um like i said i I still even with this one didn't necessarily exactly start off with the commander first the first concept i had was um i've always played a lot of artifacts i really like artifacts and i liked the idea of having a deck that was completely colorless because then that that creates a weird situation. Like I, I was thinking about it when I was first trying to get into commander that in dealing with the color restrictions of only the colors mm-hmm. in my, my commander identity. And then I can't even like play these hybrid cards that I could use the mana I have, but I can't because it's the right, the wrong thing. So I liked the idea of, okay, no color. I'm anything <laughs> with any color. I, I won't play it at all. And that's problem solved. Kind of. Um, <laughs> and so, so I, I don't remember how I came across it. I, I think it was actually probably, probably one of you guys that suggested it early on, um, going with for a commander for, uh, a colorless deck, the card hope of gear It's beautiful. I love it. It's for just <laughs> one mana for one mana. You get a one, one flying legendary artifact creature thopter. It has the ability Sacrifice Hope of Gearper until your next turn. Target player who was dealt combat damage by Hope of Gearper this turn can't cast non-creature spells. A neat and strong ability. Now, 
starting off with this as my starting point, as my commander, and trying to decide where to go. Um, it's like Daniel was talking about. He, he in doing his snap decks, he wanted to hit every part of the card. And I get that, but I'm not married to it, because what I specifically like about Hope of Gearper is this is a commander that I really... There's no way I will not always get out my commander that has flying on turn one. It's, it is very <laughs> unlikely that I'm, that I won't be able to hit for some commander damage on turn two because my commander is so, so dang cheap. So, so this leads me pretty easily into the idea of making this be a Voltron deck for anyone who doesn't yeah. know a Voltron deck is the idea of you, you get out a creature and that creature is the important part because you stack up, either auras or uh, equipment onto that creature. You make that creature big with stuff all over it. Now that does of <laughs> course make it an easy target. You're going to get, um, you're going to get multi-carded. Yeah. In the sense yeah, of it's a, it's a glass cannon kind of strategy. This is 100% a glass cannon deck. Um, and so, so that became the main crux of the deck, getting out my commander early getting in there for the commander damage. Um, given that I made it'd be a colorless deck, it wasn't really going to be about auras ever. There's no way it's going to happen. There is Eldrazi <laughs> Conscription is a colorless aura. Eight. But yeah, that's, that's rough. So kind of a, a second part of what I wanted for this deck is liking how that fastness, my, my commander is a one drop. So a secondary theme that I liked for this deck based on the commander is having things be low drops. Um, and this is pretty easy to do in, in artifacts specifically, uh, creature wise. Mimnite is a zero drop one, one ornithopter is a zero drop zero two flyer. Frexian Walker is a zero drop zero three, um, and then otherwise there are non-creatures zero drops. You got zero drop welding jar, which is an artifact mm. that you can sacrifice to regenerate an artifact. That's also protection for my commander that I specifically need to keep out. <laughs> There's a couple of equipments that are zero drops. So then running with the idea that I can play things very cheaply because I'm also running a lot of one drops, of course. Um, and the idea that I can uh, put out a bunch of, free things turn one ideally this of course you know goes into me thinking about having out artifact synergies affinity for artifacts specifically obviously things like that um because then if i'm playing all these these cheap low drop things um that makes something like a mere enforcer which is a seven drop for four it has affinity for artifacts it costs one less for each artifact i have in play very often that is also a free 4-4 all the way up mm -hmm. to Mycosynth Golem, which is an 11 drop 4-5 Golem, but it has affinity for artifacts and it gives artifact creature spells that I cast affinity for artifacts. That's wonderful again for this being a specifically my commander needing to be out if my commander ends up back in the command zone, but I have out this Mycosynth Golem and a bunch of cheap artifacts, I can probably get my commander back out for free. Mm -hmm. um, so even I... if not, because it starts off at one, even yeah. with the commander tag, because it's like three mana, 
five mana. Yeah, there are a lot of commanders bad. who are who are yeah. seven on their first time out. So like even mm-hmm. if you have to mm-hmm. recast or recast it, usually pretty okay. Yeah. And the thing I want to bring up because we play this deck and like you know mm-hmm. we play against it and stuff is that um, colorless is hard. Colorless is difficult. Uh, I think for new players, colorless is kind of a hard thing to grasp. Mm-hmm. And so, but I do think the thing about Hope of Gearper is that I don't think, like, you have some stuff that I think is, is worth, like, quite a bit, but how, what do you think the budget on that deck is? Uh, the budget on this deck, let me see. Because, um, like, I know that your equipment isn't, oh, geez, like, the, right. the cream of the crop. You're not running swords in there. Yeah, you're yeah. not running, like, Sword of Feast oh, and Famine, no. Sword of yeah, Fire I, and Ice, I'm not and running things up, like, like that. pretty good numbers. So, yeah, like, just, for the most um, part, with there's... this kind of a strategy, how do you, how much would you think? With this strategy, I mean, especially if you were going budget, you can easily do this for like, you could easily do this as a $50 deck. I I really think so. Going with solid but not expensive equipments um, Mm -hmm. and solid but not bonkers support easily. This is this could be an easy budget deck because even as I have it built um, and I've been playing it for a long time and tuning it for a while, there really are only like, let me see there's like three or four cards in this deck that that are kind of the you see a price spike on just those few things i'm really not running many expensive cards in this deck Mm -hmm. um it's mainly been about the tuning of getting the right number of low drop things versus the right number of maybe higher drop things that are the good support i need later in the game it's more of a snowball deck than it is about any individual card being very powerful and yes. it's it's yes. very resilient, and I think that that might also be a thing that a new player would, because I understand the idea of oh I I like this eight drop guy I want to get it and then mm-hmm. it dies the mm-hmm. turn it comes out and then they have to pay ten mana the next turn. I think yeah. that the idea yeah. of having a commander you can play often and like kind of being and it's you know it's not completely unaffected by board wipes you have to reequip and all this kind of thing but like yeah, you know exactly. if you get board wipe turn four your commander's only three mana. <laughs> And if you have yeah. like any rocks or anything out, that's essentially one again. It's not, yes. it's, and that's, that's a cool thing that I feel like a lot of decks don't really get mm-hmm. um, to kind of gloat mm-hmm. about, especially being absolutely no colors. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a deck that definitely is very resilient. And, and it's again, like mm-hmm. it's, um, and I, I think that's because it's hope. It's like you said, like it's you're you're really using hope in that deck mostly as a one mana thing with a stat line is kind of yeah. mostly what it's what it's operating. It's mm-hmm. it has a, also a really strong ability that you could absolutely also yeah. build a deck around because like, I could totally have built around that ability. Yeah. yeah. And it's like it, it's also because, again, that factors back into hope of gear is so cheap where it like mm-hmm. in this build, this is pure Voltron. It's it's all about the speed of it. But again, like you said, it's just as, you know, in this version of the deck, it's easy mm-hmm. to redeploy hope if it gets either answered, removed or anything like that. If you mm-hmm. want to sacrifice hope to its ability, it's also easy to redeploy because it starts yeah. out of yeah. it such a low mana cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and, um, and I just... I'll tell you I I <laughs> I don't think I cannot remember a single time I've ever used its sack ability you because I didn't build around it I I don't I yeah. don't plan on getting rid of it I want to Voltron it up so that I'm trying to get through for commander damage <laughs> that's what I've built I, I, I could have built around how, that but I don't I I don't know how in a colorless deck you could have built around that aside from just Not I guess really. like just stacks things yeah. yeah. But yeah. um, but you know, I I like that you brought up this deck because a, a lot of new players, especially if their play group, um, is mm-hmm. going to be running Commander Legends, 
Um, there's actually a new legend in this set that is very similar to Hope. It doesn't have flying, but it's a zero drop, zero right. one, yeah. with first strike, menace, and trample, and partner. Mm-hmm. And so I mm-hmm. feel like a lot of people's wheels are going to get turned in seeing that. And so Hope is a yeah. pretty decent comparison for this. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, totally. you know, if, if you're looking at it and thinking, like, how could this work? You can get something pretty good going for about 50 bucks. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And definitely, like yeah. even in red, like there's ways in red to like bypass having to pay for re-equipping everything. Uh, mm-hmm. You can just, I think totally. brand is something where you just attach all equipment to it and you just go. Yeah. Magnetic yeah. theft. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's I, I'm excited to see there. those decks. Yeah. Like I, 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 like, probably that. I would, like that you had a low yeah. drop example. That That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that about covers it there. Oh, well, one one last thing on it was um, in it being a colorless deck that makes some slightly weird considerations for lands. Um, like I could have just run mm-hmm. all wastes, which are the the basic land that just taps for colorless, but it did open me up to. I, I ended up running uh, thirty five unique non basic lands because I could because they all just produce colorless mana. So yeah, I not having to worry about having the right colors opened me up on the land front. And that and that's such a huge thing too because like it's it's. I most decks will just run utility lands anyway, but the fact of like your deck avoids the trade off on those yeah. makes that like really, really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's about good for me. I, I we can move on to Drew now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for sharing with the class, Josh. Drew, what is your what's your typical uh, deck building strategy? Um, what, yeah. what deck are you going to be talking about here first? What's what's your go to's? I'm trying to see which one I'm going to do. Um, This is the one that I actually built most recently, not including any that I have built for this show. Um, I think I've actually talked about it a couple times so far in various episodes, um, but this is my, uh, this is Samut Naya giant tribal deck. So this deck, um, this is, this is the one that was kind of, I, uh, I, it's, I guess it's most accurate to say, that I found the commander afterwards, but uh, hmm. at least in the framework that we've been working with uh, yeah. in this episode. Yeah. But the actual most accurate thing to say is I was watching, uh, I was watching gameplay videos on YouTube of commander matches and the channel is affinity for commander. They had a match where one of the decks was a Samut voice of descent, giant tribal commander. I'd never seen giant tribal in commander before. Hmm. Um, and so I was very in. And so like normally like I saw the deck did really well. So I'm like, oh, that's actually a really cool deck. It looked like it came together. And normally on content creators, um, like gameplay videos and stuff like that, they're normally linked to the deck list. But this one just didn't, which either means they didn't have it online or it's likely that the player in the video may have just like brought it to an LGS, played one game with it and then took it apart. But like I could not get the deck out of my head. And so <laughs> and so I because I couldn't just find it and look over the deck list, I literally reverse engineered a Naya giant. I, I reverse engineered a giant tribal deck. So the mm-hmm. upside to that is that it freed me up from having to adhere to someone else's deck list and then like tweak it from there. I, I actually was forced to build a deck that I knew could work. I knew was playable, but I didn't know all of the pieces that it would need to get there, which was, which was kind of a very fun um, process there. So before we get deeper into the deck, I do want to describe what my commander does. Uh, so Samut voice of descent is from Amon Ket. Um, three a red and a green for a three four with flash double strike vigilance and haste they are a legendary creature human warrior 
and they have other creatures you control have haste and for a white and tap it untap another target creature you may notice not a single bit of text on this card points you to giants at all <laughs> nothing right. on it yes, says giants correct. nothing on it is a payoff <laughs> for giants some moot like nothing even in the name in the art they look about average height ain't nothing in this card <laughs> that is giants and and we'll, and we'll get to that so in the deck in general um if you start like i did if you start just kind of looking at giants right um what i eventually found because i wasn't constricted to doing five pillar i'm building my own deck i can do whatever i want but what i was <laughs> able to find is like in other colors you have like in black has doom wake giant but that's less of a giant card and that's more of a uh enchantress hmm. payoff i should say um doom wake sure, giant yeah. for people who uh didn't play in theros is a uh, four and a <laughs> black for a four six enchantment creature giant whenever a uh, doom wake giant or another enchantment enters the battlefield under your control creatures your opponents control get minus one minus one until end of turn yeah. and, and so like, this mm-hmm. is one of the more notable giants that ended up not being in my colors but ultimately what i found is a lot of the blue giants and black giants like those were those were giants they would receive the benefits of any other giant synergies that i could find but they weren't really building me into this big dumb creature heavy deck so i eventually uh, made the choice to uh, basically adhere to what i saw one because i'm like okay well i know this deck works at least i know that there is a version of this deck that does work in naya in green white red so I'm already thinking that the deck's a bit unwieldy because my curve basically starts at five. So it's right. a bit difficult yeah. to play yeah. as is. I'm already I'm already deciding on some uh, some added difficulty here. And so the ad, the benefit in green is not a secret. I can get my mana real, real fast. I can get real yeah. big mana fast good in green. So <laughs> where I started there, because I know that it's essentially I'm having to I can't just jam the deck full of giants, or more accurately, I specifically, I can't just jam <laughs> the deck full of giants and then a bunch mm-hmm. of lands, sleeve it up and then go because my brain just will not let me finish the deck if that's what it is. So mm-hmm. what I did it was to maximize the efficiency there. I go, okay, it's I am trying to ramp and I'm not just trying to ramp into like a specific card. I'm trying to ramp into what my entire deck is built around. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, I, I essentially had to build a ramp deck that then also had a critical mass of giants in it. So that just yeah. my deck idea could work. And for people who are really interested in numbers, my in total is I have 38 creatures in this deck, which mm-hmm. might actually be a little low for one of mine. Um, but that's because <laughs> I build decks that are janky and I will refuse to learn. So mm. what I did here is that anything, anything that was a ramp piece, I needed it to uh, essentially kind of two is the magic number. I could not afford um, unless there was some like specific added benefit, I had to really critically look at anything that was just going to get me one mana because I'm trying to ramp into five and above CMC, which in general is a thing you probably shouldn't do if you're new, uh, because it is, <laughs> if all of your things are late game plays, they get much more difficult to play. So what I found was I, I kind of looked at the ramp first and again, being in green is excellent. I have kind of the, the pick of the litter there and I specifically looked for any cards that let me get 
like for one card, they turned themselves into two lands, basically. So I've got Kodama's hmm. Reach, which is two and a green for a sorcery. This is a green staple in Commander. But I search my library for up to two basics. I reveal them, put one onto the battlefield, tapped, and one into my hand. So the upside there is I turn one card into my hand, into two lands, and one of them is on the field. So that kind of puts me ahead there. Um, I'm running uh, Cultivate, which is the same thing functionally. Um, the at, the only difference is that Kadama's Reach is an Arcane spell. If you need to know what Arcane spells are, then you don't need to know. They're not strong enough to be, yeah. to be worth it. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Uh, but Cultivate is functionally the same thing. I'm able to get, I'm able to yeah. turn one card in hand into two lands to get to the big giants faster. And um, let me tell you, I mean, I yeah, I um have experienced firsthand uh building a deck that is really <laughs> high mana requirements and mm-hmm. not bothering to put in ramp and playing that and sitting around for very many turns doing nothing <laughs> it, it's yeah. a lot of players already know but for anyone who puts together a deck and it's based on large cost creatures you really mm-hmm. should put some ramp in there you don't want to just yeah. sit around for six turns until you can finally just hard cast that six drop after playing the six <laughs> land. I built a deck a, based on sea yeah. monsters and I did that and I have since learned my lesson and I did put a bunch <laughs> of ramp in there. So the deck actually works at all. Don't yeah. be afraid to put in the good ramp cards if you need them. And that one even has the benefit of its commander is a land for a good bit, and it still takes a while yeah. to get. He's not a f- yeah. he's not efficient or effective, but yes, <laughs> he helps. And and it's a thing you have to consider. Like I think of my decks in general. Um, I actually I do uh, in a lot of my deck building. I as a starting rubric for most of them, I adhere to um the command zone, a very popular commander podcast. Um, has a rubric where they they say in general, and then they do give the copy out that on an individual deck by deck basis you change this but as a general mm. rule set they recommend 10 pieces of ramp which notably they just ten. put you ahead mm. of the mana you would have if you played one land per turn 10 mm-hmm. pieces of card draw which is just for you expending whatever card is the card draw piece it gets you back at least two cards so you're up on cards mm-hmm. um i think they say five to ten rem- five to five to ten single target removal five to ten board wipes this deck i think is um at least as a time of recording i think is up to about 16 pieces of ramp just because mm-hmm. it's i i know that when i play this in general everyone's going to be ramping just in general it's a thing that players do in commander so i have to ramp in i have to ramp at all just to literally have my creatures be playable because they are all just so high on the mana cost on the mana curve but mm-hmm. also i'm having to continually ramp to account for i I don't want to, by the time that I'm online and able to play a giant, I also can't really afford to just be playing one creature a turn because mm-hmm. my opponents I know will be playing multiple threats a turn or they'll be playing an answer to my giant and their own creature. So to also play these giants so that it has the kind of feel that I am really just dropping these giants onto the board and I'm you know establishing board presence, I need to almost go a little overboard in my ramping. Um, with that, like, again, I have like migration pass, Gosh, okay, I'm not going to read these. They're just other things that net me two lands for one card. Um, the notable one though, is I also have a lot of things that I tried to incorporate the fact that I'm playing big, big boys. And so I have one of my favorite ramp pieces in the deck is traverse the outlands, traverse the outlands. Uh, yeah. Is four and a green for a sorcery. And I search my library for up to X basic lands where X is the greatest power among creatures I control, put them on the battlefield, tap then shuffle. So that is, you know, my rule is to have at least two. Traverse the Outlands regularly gets me eight plus lands. Um, hmm. 
for that that's also a deck building uh, thing there it does specify basics this deck does run a lot of basic lands uh, um yeah. and it's to take advantage of things like that a lot of the ramp pieces if you start looking for them that specifically get you two or more lands will specify basics to basically balance them out and so that just meant that i had to i had to really kind of tinker with my basic mixture when building my mana base just to make sure i had a good spread of all the colors that i needed Luckily, because I'm so heavy in ramp, I was pretty heavy in green, so it was pretty easy to do that in this specific case. But that's a thing that, like, it's... I didn't go into the deck wanting to run a bunch of basics, but because of the how hard I decided to go on ramp so that the deck would work, that ended up being the case. Yeah, you had to get all the explosive vegetations and whatnot. Yeah, I think, yeah. 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 I think in general, just um, if anybody is wondering, if any of you mm-hmm. youngsters trying to get in, um cards that will ramp you into cards that are not basics tend to be expensive yes um and there are are very few there are very Mm -hmm. few that do it um like at all just let you get any uh, crop rotation i do think is like the best one um probably but i think it's more of a it's more for i don't i don't know i wouldn't call it competitive but people who People who run crop rotation are probably also the the kinds who would probably have like, you know, a, a valicate payoff or a guy has cradle in their deck. Yeah, maybe. wanting to get out <laughs> specific lands, not just ramp lands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're trying to do a bit more than just that. Um, mm-hmm. I think and then in addition to that, I think that I wouldn't general recommend um, as the thing that I am doing in this deck is... This deck is built around creatures, specifically, giants even more specifically. And so there are also some added bits of ramp that aren't just putting lands into play that you'll find that over the course of the game net you so positive on mana that they're also really good considerations. Um, the, the one that's just the most fun out of these is a card called Stink Drink or Daredevil. It's two and a red for a 1-3 Goblin Rogue, and it makes your giants cost two less to cast. So... <laughs> here's the and so like here's the thing they're like you know a card that gets me two lands into play i now have those two lands for the rest of the game i'm going to use them in anything that's great um this card though uh sting drinker daredevil every giant that i play which is ideally like i've said i'm trying to set up so i'm playing multiple in a turn if i have it in play and i play three giants that turn i have netted six mana off of this three mana card and that Hmm. that over the course of a game is huge and now like again this is creature based it you know dies to creature based removal which is everywhere but Mm. it's you also have to look at that where it's if a board wipe is going to happen a board wipe is going to happen i'm not going to lose sleep over it but if a player at the table is using their spot removal on this card and not one of my big old giants i'm also fine with that trade most of the time right right you know as long as i've if i play it and then two giants i'm technically up one mana and then i'm basically fine after that um and so this is kind of where Samut comes back into play. The other the other aspect, like I said, is I know that I'm going to be behind the other decks at the table because the, the boys I'm playing are a little fatter. That's just how it <laughs> has to be. Mm-hmm. Samut's ability to give other creatures haste is crucial there because, yep. again, I'm having I yeah. know that I'm having to take several turns off in setup and I'm go like, OK, I'm willing to do that. If the payoff is I get to play Jolly Green Giants every turn, that sounds fun. Samut basically negates part of that downside by letting me drop these giant creatures out and then immediately start using them. I don't have to play them and then wait a whole rotation and then start. And that's Mm -hmm. crucial. And that's why I think Samut, even like, I don't know, like even if we got a character, because it's, I also went with Samut because there actually is not a 
really good legendary that gave me green specifically that is giant tribal there is a mm-hmm. calumny disciple of Aroas, which is part of a pre-con for giant tribal mm-hmm. uh, that i didn't go with but it's samut mm-hmm. specifically it's samut basically i knew that my tribe had some weaknesses and samut shored a lot of those up just by one i can drop samut at the end of a turn so i can really kind of like uh, I can yeah, surprise, flash. like, dive bomb a whole bunch of giants. If someone's mm-hmm. not paying a lot of attention, if it gets to the end step right before my turn, I can flash in my commander for five. Untap, yeah, I always I forget that, that it has, yeah, flash. She has flash. And I'm, yeah. I'm never going to. She has so many remember. abilities. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's insane. Uh-huh. It's genuinely insane. Yeah. And so it's very easy for me to drop Samut out and then on my turn drop, you know, two to three giants, which is, in another deck, two to three creatures is not huge. But mm. in my deck, like, two to three giants is like 18, 20 power. It's literally a lot huge. of times. <laughs> gigantic yeah and so and so like i have some moot for that there's another card this came out in uh the latest ravnica sets but rhythm of the wild uh one a red and a green my creature spells i can't be countered which is great my deck is of my actual mm-hmm. spells half of them are creatures so that's just net awesome for me and then mm-hmm. also my non-token creatures have riot which means that whenever they enter the battlefield they either get a counter or they get haste so this lets me one it's it's always good to have redundant effects especially if you're planning to rely on them and so if i can't get samut out either she's been answered too many times and i can't play her or um i just want to get this earlier the added benefit is if samut's on the field i just get my giants to be even bigger which is mm-hmm. awesome Mm-hmm. Or I have a duplicate of this haste effect so that like if I have her and it on the board, you know, let's say these are a bunch of giants I've played this turn. If I go to combat, somebody removes some moot, they now no longer ah, can yeah. attack because they don't have haste anymore. But if I have this mm-hmm. redundant effect, I'm now requiring them to remove two layers of it. And if they mm-hmm. can't, I'm going to hit them with a lot of big, big giants. Yeah. So I didn't. And the other the other aspect to the deck is that I didn't want to just have the giants i wanted the deck to kind of because giants are not a very versatile tribe there's some cards <laughs> that do a lot of interesting things lately the one that's been overperforming and i just want to call this card out is kalimne's captain uh <laughs> it's three mm-hmm. and two white for a five five giant soldier has vigilance and then for five and two white has monstrosity three which basically is a uh, if this creature is not monstrous you give it three counters and it becomes monstrous and whenever Kalimna's captain becomes monstrous, you exile all artifacts and enchantments. And in back-to-back game nights when I have played this deck, that ability in specific has, I think it won me one game and it made mm-hmm. me very close to a second one. Just yeah. very, I, very good ability. I will never not run my big dumb enchantments. I will build my <laughs> deck around them and I will I will lose to that card every time. <laughs> it's yep. just how it has to be. Mm-hmm. That is... That is how it will be and how it always shall be. <laughs> yep. Now, there are, um, uh, to kind of uh, wrap it up and all that, um, there are some things that I do want to be mindful of with giants, and it's just my, my creatures are magnets for removal. I will always have invested more into my creatures than just about any removal spell is going to cost, so it's they are a very attractive target because they're very easy to get rid of. So what I've done there um, is I've tried to either have some things that let the giants do a bit more things. So like I have avian changeling in here, which is a shapeshifter, but that does mean that it is technically a giant and it along with howling giant are just giants. that either have flying and or reach just because shockingly, if you got a bunch of flyers, (laughs) my giants can't do anything about it. That seems Mm -hmm. wrong to me. I don't much care for that, Sam. I, I don't want to hear about it. Um, and then I also run Arbor Colossus, which has a monstrous ability, just like Clemmy's Captain, but it specifically lets it destroy an opponent's creature with flying. So he literally becomes monstrous and then punches a bird out yeah. of the sky. Yeah. Love it. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And then apart from that, it's um, I have like a couple other things that just kind of pay off due to the fact that my creatures are big and they're costly. So momentous fall uh, two and a green two and two green instant. I sack a creature. I draw cards equal to the creature's power and then I gain life equal to its toughness. Giants are just big across the board. That's a really good source of card draw. Granted, I'm in green, which has a lot of decent options for it, but this is a way that's kind of excellent in my deck, especially in instant speed. If someone goes to remove a giant, I can get some value out of it while it's still there. Um, ditto for Return of the Wild Speaker. It's four and a green for an instant, and I can either give all my creatures plus three, plus three till in a turn, which a lot of times is enough to kill an entire table whenever your things are mostly mm-hmm. already huge, mm-hmm. or um, it lets you draw cards equal to the greatest power among creatures you control. And so when searching for cards for it, in addition to searching for giants in general, what I was searching for is anything that related to their power or um, their high mana cost. So mm-hmm. that were those were ways that one, it's those cards are also going to be fairly cheap because they're, uh, I mean, not suboptimal as being very generous. It's <laughs> a thing that requires you to not only have the mana to cast the spell that it is, but also have a creature on board with high power. It's just pretty niche. But for me that's kind of the spirit of playing giants is that i'm i'm going for that exact kind of build and so Mm -hmm. the uh, you know the upside there is that one those are when they do work they're going to pay off and i have a lot of different you know powerful creatures for them to trigger off of but also that kept the price of the deck pretty low so the deck is i think definitely one of my cheaper decks overall and that's with you know having a pretty robust you know not perfect but pretty robust mana base in it and everything Mm-hmm. does pretty well most of the time now you're the only one uh out of the out of the three of us to because a very i think a common entry point for mm-hmm. new players into commander is tribal i think yeah. that people gravitate right. towards yeah. a creature type so do you have mm-hmm. any like blanket advice for for players who like i don't let, let's not say they're doing something like amarid but like, is oh, there, yeah, like say that they like, they're just like, Hey man, I like, I like Merfolk. What's, what, is there any advice of like, um, you know, somebody who just has a creature type they're really into of like how to or maybe the, go about with tribal specifically. Yeah. So it's, um, a, a lot of them, there is that tribal, I will say is actually a good archetype to get into mostly because it's, it's one that wizards seems to have a pretty easy time printing cards for. Um, because it's pretty easy to print like a very powerful effect that's restriction is that it's very niche it only applies to like a certain creature type um what i would say is uh like daniel mentioned edh rec earlier um you want to start obviously with like creatures of the type you're looking for um but also edh rec in general the upside to doing tribal is that a lot of tribal um engine pieces will be artifacts and they'll be shared across multiple decks it's becoming Mm -hmm. increasingly common that a card will have like when it enters the battlefield choose a creature type um and then creatures of that type get a benefit things like that tribal Mm -hmm. is also very supported on edh rec there's an entire like section of the page it's just different tribal decks if you want to just kind of you know find a lot of the key pieces without having to spend you know hours and hours searching the one Mm -hmm. thing that i'll say is uh is i guess unique advice here like with giants, a thing that I realize is other than giants being all of that, you know, same creature type, try to also think for think of things once you kind of get the ones that you really want to run. Think of other things that are kind of tying them together to focus a lot of your building around and also to kind of identify what the weaknesses are. 
so like in in this deck giants are um immediate targets and they're very high cmc so i specifically tried to look for things that were lower on the curve one just to give myself things to do early game so i could be advancing from the start um (laughs) and then ways to kind of protect them so like one of the like two of the really best ones are like steely resolve is uh one in a green enchantment etbs you choose a creature type creatures of the chosen type have shroud so basically if i'm able to resolve that which i can typically do before my big giant threats are even on the board my giants can't be the target of anything so if they're having to if they're trying to remove my giants they're having to take the entire board with them which means that they have impacted my other two opponents at the very least and that's if it's an asymmetrical board wipe which Mm -hmm. is usually a worthwhile trade or uh favor of the mighty is one in a white um, which actually is a tribal enchantment giant, but it has each creature with the highest converted mana cost has protection from all colors. Very often, because giants are big, that'll be a thing that favors me. And like in mm-hmm. that example, that one does have the giant subtype, but that's also a thing where you would want to, like I would in that case, I would search for highest converted mana cost or I would search for mana cost in general because I know that's something that is incidentally um, shared across creatures of this tribe oh if you notice like merfolk and elves are actually typically very low cmc and so Mm -hmm. what you could typically do there is you could search for spells that specified like x mana cost and above and you could know that that's an effect that you could have that your creatures dodge but hits the rest of the board and that's something that i recommend it's once you have like your critical mass of creatures of the type start looking for things that are actually similar across them and then you can actually build in extra synergies to take advantage of that Mm mm-hmm noise good good to know with that out of the way then i have the second and i'll think last deck of the Mm -hmm, night mm -hmm. which is indeed uh a deck that i do believe i've talked about quite a bit on the show but it is uh, my sadisi self-made millionaire deck so um sadisi is a deck that i built from the commander first and sadisi brood tyrant is who uh the deck is built around uh, for people who are unaware, Sidisi Brew Tyrant is one, a black, a green, and a blue for a legendary creature, no, legendary creature, Naga Shaman, 3-3. <laughs> three, three. Whenever Sidisi Brew Tyrant enters the battlefield or attacks, put the top three cards of your library into your graveyard. And whenever one or more creature cards are put into your graveyard from your library, put a 2-2 black zombie creature token onto the battlefield. So... I built this deck initially in its version 1.0 back in, I believe, 2016, 2017, whenever the uh, playgroup started playing Commander. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right around that time. Yeah. Um, and so I have I have had this deck in some form for quite a while. I built it. Um, I literally had a binder as our playgroup was shifting from playing just Kitchen Table to playing Commander. I had a binder of legendary creatures that I had pulled. This is before I had what you would even really call a collection of cards. I just go, oh, this is a this has got orange metal on it. This goes on a binder. So <laughs> I was searching through as we were kind of shifting over. Um, and I was trying to figure out like what commander I wanted to build. I had at this point, I had bought the Saskia precon deck, which was technically my first commander deck, but this is the first one I ever hmm. constructed. And a little bit about me as a player, my favorite archetype in all of magic. And this is in any format is I love to play aristocrats. I'll play aristocrats in any format. I'll, I don't care how viable it is. I in <laughs> fact love it when it's not viable at all. Um, and the thing that attracts me to aristocrats is I love that it as a play style subverts how the game is supposed to work because it has, it relies on your opponent doing to you the things that they have to do to win the game. 
Aristocrats is a deck where I can play creatures out and you will want to kill them because if you don't, I will hit you with them until you are dead. But if you <laughs> kill them, I get other benefits. And if you and and or I can also kill them myself to also get benefits. So it's your your options as my opponent are either to let my creatures hit you or to remove them. But either way, I'm benefiting off of that. So DC lets me do that for mill. So DC is a deck where if uh, I'm trying to mill myself anyway, if you want to also mill me, I'm going to benefit all the way down until I have no cards in hand or no cards in my deck. And then I'm also going to benefit from there. So it's a kind of play style. I like where I almost invite any opponent to try to hurt the deck because the deck is built because one, that's a, that's a thing from a player perspective. That's the thing that I know my opponent is going to try to do, right? I don't necessarily know if my opponent's going to build an aggro deck or build a control deck or anything like that, but I know that my opponent is going to try to fulfill one of the conditions that lets them win the game because that's how the game works. So they are either going to try to answer my threats somehow or mill me or try to do something. And so if I can have a deck that just wants you to do that, I've almost negated like half of what you're trying to do. Or I've at least made it a lot harder because it's you have to help me to win, which is a bit tricky. And it's a thing, it's a play style and an archetype that I really like. So Sidisi is a deck that I have changed a ton over the years, over the years of having it. I have tweaked it and tuned it. I have tested a billion different cards in it. And currently, if you look at it, you'd think me an insane person because it runs 28 <laughs> lands. Um, uh-huh. And it runs uh-huh. 43 creatures. And then like single digit everything else. So how did we get here? <laughs> Sidisi as a self mill deck. And this is a thing in a lot of Sultai commanders are self mill commanders. It's just kind of how it goes. But the thing that attracts me to Sidisi is the second line of text is specifically whenever one or more creatures is milled into your uh, graveyard, you make a zombie token. So a lot of people's instincts with self-mill is just, you know, find a bunch of things that just fill up your graveyard really fast and kind of don't think about it. But Sidisi uh-huh. specifically is looking for a, a large quantity of instances of mill, but very small mill events. So like yeah. ideally in a Sidisi deck, if it were, if it were perfect, every time that you milled, it would be a single card at a, at a time to right. be at maximum benefit. So that leads you that leads you into your first thing. You go like, okay, so I don't really want a bunch of giant mill effects. How can how many tiny bits of mill can I get? Well, um, at its current point, uh, the best one there is actually the best one hands down actually is Mesmeric Orb. It's also one of the newest additions to the deck. Ah. Um, it is an artifact for two mana. Whenever a permanent becomes untapped, that permanent's controller mills a card. So it has two mana. Let's say I reasonably have like four lands and two creatures. I untap. That is six triggers of Mesmeric Orb. I mill one card six times. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. If half of those are creatures, <laughs> yep. I get three zombies for free. They come onto the battlefield untapped, and I'm able to make a bunch of tokens. Um and there are a ton of different uh, ton of different effects like this. Um, fun fact, if you have any tutor spells that tutor a card into your graveyard, um, one of the best ones here that's also actually, it's going up in price, but it's fairly budget because it's an uncommon, is uh, Final Parting. Three generic, two black for a sorcery. Search your library for up to two cards, put one into your hand, the other into your graveyard, and then shuffle. That oh, card nice. that goes into your graveyard goes directly from your library to your graveyard. 
counts for the effect, you make a zombie mm-hmm. token. Um, and so this deck, I will say, is in general, it's it's good. It's pretty easy to find cards that make the deck work. It's the tuning is where the specific choices here have gotten. One, I think they have mm-hmm. only occurred to me over years of playing this deck. <laughs> and I also goldfish this deck a lot so it's like even addition to um we play you know semi-regularly and like playing in the play group i will also just it's you know as i'm watching you know netflix watching youtube videos i will have this deck in front of me and i will do test hands with it um Mm. and it's just because i I love the deck i really love just like sitting down and playing it um but it's in doing that in a deck like this there are also things that will kind of occur to you over just a large volume of games Um, so the easy things to get there is anything that is part of a reanimation strategy is going to be good. That's in these colors. Um, some of the fun ones there, like eternal witness one and two green for a creature. Uh, I think it's a two one when it enters the battlefield, you return any card from your graveyard to your hand. And uh, actually I want to touch on that a bit. So the reanimator thing in this deck is you look at your, you're milling your own deck. And like I said, with aristocrats, you're kind of hurting yourself, but you have to get some benefit. Um, a key thing there is, um, or, or maybe a trap that you may be kind of thinking if you're getting too tunnel visioned, if you just focus on the self mill, you won't have any way to utilize the cards in your graveyard. And mm-hmm. so that is just going to hurt you for a moderate benefit, but then you're kind of intentionally walking a tightrope for no reason. So in this deck, um, even just like as a quick prep for this episode, I pulled one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven at least 11 and I'm probably underselling it a little bit cards that allow me to repeatedly get things out of my graveyard. The Mm -hmm. best among these, I just mentioned eternal witness, which lets me get a single card, but of any type, um, the best one, the one that I, uh, that, uh, is a, I will say is a kill on site card, but I definitely use it a lot is having go lich. Having go lich is three, a blue and a black for a four, four zombie wizard for one generic mana. You may cast target creature card from a graveyard this turn. When you cast that card, Having Go Lich gains all activated abilities of that card until end of turn. This card Dang is insanely card. strong. Yeah. It is a very, very good card. Um, it is, I think, for how strong it is, it's mm-hmm. about it's, it is now crept up. It is at about four dollars now. Um, but it is incredibly strong in this deck, and it essentially lets me turn any instance of self-mill along with my other reanimation pieces, because again, they're all repeatable. It effectively lets me use self mill as card draw. And that once mm-hmm. that kind of unlocked for me is by having, you know, again, this is, and this is a large percentage of my deck here. Most of them are also creatures so that they synergize with Sidious's ability. But these are, once I'm able to realize like self mill on its own, will mill a lot of cards for a, for like a low amount of mana because it's it hurts you it's not a thing that you typically want mm-hmm. so what i was able to do is by by having enough things that i can use to re- reliably get cards out of my graveyard i'm able to basically draw cards at like an insane level of efficiency um one of my favorite engines i mean i just mentioned mesmeric orb mesmeric orb is two mana which can mill me over the course of a game not even to mention the fact that it does also Mm -hmm. mill my opponents Mm -hmm. but over the course of a game i can mill 20 30 cards with mesmeric orb easily yeah and there is just no other effects in magic that is letting you draw 30 cards for two mana (laughs) at at that price like it's just kind (laughs) of bonkers there um 
one of the other things there is cards that uh that I could be leaning harder into this, but cards that just themselves let you cast from the graveyard, like uh, retrace is a mechanic you'll come up from, and this is the thing you can just mm. search for text of just like the phrase from graveyard. Uh, but like retrace are on instants and sorceries. I'll read an example here, which is worm harvest for two and then three Golgari. So then either black, 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 green, 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 black, green, green, or green, black, black as <laughs> um, a sorcery. Right. Make a one, one black and green worm creature token for each land in your graveyard and then retrace, which lets you cast it from your graveyard by discarding a land in addition to paying its cost. Notable thing there is it does not exile itself. So I routinely will use this to also just kind of flood my board out with a ton of tokens. As I'm milling a bunch of cards, I will also invariably mill a bunch of lands into my graveyard. So it is not uncommon for Worm Harvest here to be netting me, you know, something like 7, 10, 15 worms per cast, Mm -hmm. which through various sacrifice effects that are in the deck as well, will typically net me back the mana that I need to just cast it again. And then I kind of get out of control pretty soon after that. Right. Yes. <laughs> it, it, I mean, I know <laughs> when I play against it, it's, it is definitely one of those decks where it's like, uh, very oftentimes it's not like, okay, there, there's the one thing I need to deal with. This is mm-hmm. one of those decks where when you're going off on it, it's like you are making lots of things that are letting you do at, mm-hmm. at least one thing very often. And, um, it's a very good combo deck in that sense. Um, it's not having just one thing that's the target. It gets gone and then you're just, you screwed for yeah, the rest of the game. I it's think not it's like a, that. Personally for me, mm. I think that it's an unfair deck in the sense <laughs> that it uh-huh. runs yeah. altar of the brood, mesmeric mm-hmm. orb and uh, altar of dementia. Yep. And these are uh-huh. all the cards that help Drew win, but I'm not going to blow up mill pieces. <laughs> I like them. I'll lose yeah. to mill. Like I don't I don't uh-huh. necessarily care for recursion decks. I'm fine with aristocrats, <laughs> but recursion I think is yeah, fine. Mm-hmm. But it mills itself. And so I just have to t- kind of uh-huh. just take it and go, yeah, it's I guess it's a necessary evil. It just gets to do, <laughs> and I and, and I that, just yeah. let it. <laughs> but, but if you're playing against it, don't do that. Yeah, right. And that's also the thing there. It's uh, so it's part of Bill. And this is again, this is the thing that kind of comes up over playing this deck a lot. And that's and I do highly encourage just like get the deck built and then just start playing it, and you'll learn so yeah. much more about it. But yeah. it's like, like he said, like in this deck, it's one he just like it's there's not a single key combo piece because mm-hmm. the deck is built off of layers of interaction. And the reason for that is what, what happened in uh, early versions of the deck is it did only have a couple because I built it mostly from cards that I had. And the problem with self mill is that a lot of times if you're relying on a single card, it'll just get into your graveyard and then goodbye. Right. It's right there yeah. and you can't yeah. get it. <laughs> That's just how it is. As the so Lord intended. As the Lord intended. <laughs> and so that, and, and, and that kind of plays back into it because this is a deck where it's now after seeing that I go like, okay, well then I probably want multiple ways to get things back. I want to be able to get back more than just creatures. Cause I do not, I like I said earlier in the episode, I, I'm uh, very liable to get blown the hell out if I'm running all <laughs> creatures. I am running 43, mm-hmm. which is up there. Um, mm-hmm. 
but I want ways to reanimate. So like it's, I have, you know, I have having a lich. Let's I have a the, reanimating creatures is easy. I'm not going to go over the ways to do it. Look at any deck. Mm. That's a reanimator deck. And you're going to find a hundred cards that reanimate creatures. Having a lich is the best one for this deck. Maybe you'll mm. find one that speaks to your soul. Um, yeah. But then for, um, <laughs> uh, for all permanent types, I do also run Muldroth of the Gravetide, who is mm. arguably for this exact same style of deck an equally good, if not better commander, certainly a more popular commander, hmm. but I have kind of mm-hmm. over time specialized mine to the point that like, I don't, I genuinely don't think I could swap the, I don't think I could swap Muldrotha into CDC spot and have the deck hmm. really function at all, to be honest with you. Um, but Muldrotha is three, a black green and a blue for a six, six during each of your turns, you may cast a permanent spell of each type from your graveyard. That allows me to mm-hmm. reanimate at least one creature at its regular mana cost. And then I can cast a artifact, a planeswalker. I can put a land into play, an enchantment and all these things. So it's CDC is going to be just milling. Whatever happens to get into my yard happens to get in my yard. That's just how it is. That's what I agreed to when I signed the lease. But <laughs> uh, with Moldrotha 1, Moldrotha itself is a creature. So it is the easiest thing to reanimate. It's also... In building the deck very creature heavy, it's what I expect to be in my yard. So I have the most things to get it out. And then it has the benefit of letting me get basically anything else. And so, like Josh also mentioned, in addition to having kind of multiple redundant pieces for animation, I'm planning on my things to be in the graveyard anyway. Right. So if so it's also the kind of like Wade thing where at a table they go like I I can impact Sidisi for a turn and then they'll just get it back, but I can delay right. them or I could hard answer another player. Like Daniel said, the correct answer is always to hit my thing. It's always to hit Sidisi's <laughs> thing. Sidisi is very yeah. strong. Well, you just gotta but, hit the mill pieces. You, you gotta, you hit, gotta yeah. hit you it's the incremental mill that does it, and that's the exact yes. thing that Josh yeah. has to deal with. I'm not yep. going to do it. <laughs> my God tells me what I must do and I worship it mm-hmm. and I let mm-hmm. it happen. And again, that's also a thing like um, a recent, a uh, very popular mill commander is uh Bruvac, the grand eloquent. If I remember mm-hmm. correctly, it's two and a blue for a human advisor. Whenever a player would mill a card, they mill double that many instead. It's one um, and two you... blue, I think. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think it's three CMC overall, but yep. it's essentially, that's a card that you no, may, two and one. you know, You're right. Ooh. Uh, you may look at this card you may look at this deck and you think like oh, okay cool this is self-mill that's what it wants but again that's kind of a trap here you actually hmm. want a lot of very disparate small low to the ground incremental mill Bruvac may get you to mill you know 14 some odd cards in your deck and if you're building Sidisi as pure reanimator you just want a full yard but for mm-hmm. me, the benefit here is I also run a card like Altar of the Brood, which is a one mana artifact. Whenever another permanent enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent mills a card. So for me, if I can mill 15 cards one at a time and, you know, let's say half of those statistically because of how I've built the deck are going to be creatures, I get seven zombies. I then am milling each of my opponents for seven cards, which is filling up their graveyard. So I'm also attacking them on that vector. And then it's, I kind of have a lot of options and this is like my CDC decks very toolboxy. I can just beat face with a ton of zombies. If that's what the board is leaning me to do, like Josh mm-hmm. alluded to, I get into loops. I can just combo off using have and go lich, a sacrifice effect, and then just whatever creatures kind of suit the mood <laughs> combo mm-hmm. through that way. Um, I can just do an alpha strike with CDC by a card called night howler, 
one and two black for it's an enchantment creature. So for Sidisi's benefit, it is a creature. It'll count that when it gets milled to make me a zombie. For Muldrotha's benefit, it is both a creature and an enchantment. So I can choose which of those hmm. types I want to cast out of my yard. Uh, but it has an effect. It is one and two black, and then it gets uh, it's a zero zero, and it gets plus X plus X, where X is the number of creature cards in all graveyards. Or if you bestow it, which is a mechanic there that lets you basically play this as an aura, I can enchant Sidisi, makes Sidisi incredibly huge, and then usually just one hit KO somebody with commander damage hmm. is another line the deck has. So it's in just that, I can either mill all of my opponents, I can go wide with zombie tokens, I can combo in and out of my graveyard, or I can do a Voltron win essentially with CDC there. Mm -hmm. And so it's the kind of thing where it's just like Josh said, it's like you can try to get one or two pieces here, but the deck is just because of it being a toolbox, because of it just kind of breaking all of its different things across several cards. It's just hard to answer in anything other than an absolute sense. And if I have to, you know, if, if a player has to use like an exile, somebody's entire deck effect on me, (laughs) <laughs> I'll take that. Like you, you can't win them all. And that just has to be okay. Some of the yeah. time, but it's, it's again, really, really resilient. Um, and it's because it's again, like, it's just, it is a combo deck when it needs to be. It is an aggro deck when it needs to be. It is a mill deck when it needs to be. It is a mm-hmm. deck that is very versatile because again, I'm drawing so many cards that I can just choose which of the cards that are in my graveyard that I need to apply at a given time. Yeah. And, and I did want to emphasize, because I mean, you, you, you did allude to, and it's definitely the case that um, I know yeah. you have tweaked this deck just continuously since Forever. you built it. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you're always looking for new pieces for it. And, and I do that too, not quite as um, uh, constantly as you do with this particular deck, <laughs> but I am always looking for yeah. new pieces and new angles that I didn't think of before. Um, and, and I would definitely encourage someone who's who's working on building their first commander decks um, I mean, don't don't get so caught up on is this as tuned as it could possibly be like mm-hmm. before you buy it. It 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 won't be like there there will be interactions that you didn't necessarily think of that you really like that you want to yep. uh, emphasize more in the deck. There will be new pieces that you just didn't find in looking for cards and that'll be a new angle. Um, oh, I, I would totally I, I like recommend what you're saying. That's actually yeah. why I do it the way I do it, where I just, once mm-hmm. I get the hundred cards, right. I, I figured it out. <laughs> um, thank you guys you for go. justifying yeah. my You'll behavior. You'll always have <laughs> really fun like surprises. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely something where, um, go ahead and get the deck to a decent point. Uh, go ahead and buy it and, and play it. Go ahead and play it and. Mm-hmm. And you'll see the strengths and weaknesses. You'll see the things you like more and the things you like less, and then tweak it from there. You can continuously edit the deck. You don't have to be married to like the final list mm-hmm. that you that you set up. Keep tweaking it yeah. forever. Yeah. With that said, exactly. though, I will say if if you are a newer player and your deck, mm-hmm. you know, might be a little more expensive, even like the baseline version, ask your play group if you can proxy it out. Play Absolutely. a few hands that way. Oh, that's fine too. You, yeah, yeah. But like, if you know, like for me, I know when I like a concept and I'll buy it and then change it then. But you know, new players uh-huh. might not be that far up where they can be like, oh, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I can just tweak this afterwards and you know, mm-hmm. get sure, it there. Yeah. So you know, ask your play group if you can proxy things out. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. ask them if they have any cards that you were looking at that you could just borrow for the evening or something and. And, you know, try it out that way as well. And and I mean, like, it's a thing. uh, So, like, the three of us, I have started to dip my toe into it. But, I mean, I think I will also say um, 
if, if you're especially you know with the times that it, that it is as of time of recording like if you were uh if you're in a position where you can play online the economy mm-hmm. of playing online is also substantially cheaper the downside is obvious mm-hmm. you don't have physical cards but if that's not inherently a downside to you it's you actually can save a ton of money and if you can find a play group that plays online you can build decks and play them actually a lot cheaper that way as well. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it's, it's, I have never been in an actual play group that has ever begrudged me at all for playing proxies. Um, hmm. I think that anyone who would do that is being very silly personally, <laughs> like let people play the game again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've said this in previous episodes. I want to play your creativity. I don't want to play your wallet, but yeah, mm-hmm. like it's, especially if you're testing out a deck, absolutely just get, you know, basic lands and a Sharpie or just kind of notate on them and play the deck out. And then you'll kind of get that opportunity to, you know, play it, see what cards you like, what cards you don't like, what cards you want to tweak. Or if you have the deck built and a new card comes out and like, maybe, you know, it's in spoiler season. So the card does not even literally exist yet. You can't get it, but you want to know if it's going to fit your deck, proxy Mm -hmm. it up, get a basic land right on it and then try it out in a couple of games. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so now you kn- all know exactly what you need to do to <laughs> finally get in Commander. Now's the time. Now that you yeah. know. Now, if oh, this video did help you, or video, what am I talking about? <laughs> no. if, this, um, <laughs> if this podcast did help you, if you, if you managed to mesh with any of our kind of styles, maybe approaches, something that you, that you, you know, heard and you're like, that might be the way that I would need to do it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I just, I don't have the time. I need to just jam something and, and go. Then, mm-hmm. you know, whoever, whoever, you know, I, I, I don't think we introduced ourselves, so I'm going to do it here. Uh, I'm Daniel. I'm, I'm uh, haphazard and a problem. Josh is um, methodical, but simple. And Drew yes. can vary between being uh, incredibly complex and tuned to just like, uh, how do we make giants good and not bad? Yeah, how do we make giants work? How do we? How make, do yeah, big, how do you make giants? How do work? big man? How, how do, do big man play? Well, how do big man, but not just big man? You know what I mean? How do big man, but good? Yeah, big man, but give him some nice shoes. <laughs> yeah, that's what we got going on. So you know, yeah. if any of if any of that jived with you, um. Uh, hit us out. Leave a hit us out. Hit us up, man. Hit us words out. are terrible. Hit us, and out. I am as well. I'm trying to say that if any of us specifically are like mm-hmm. said something that you might like, uh, reach out to any of us specifically. Just say, hey, yeah. I want to get in touch with one of y'all specifically, and and maybe mm-hmm. have you run through a deck list or something. Um, Certainly, we mm-hmm. will do it. We like looking at deck lists. If you send me oh, something yeah. that's just going to be, uh, I don't know, like John Reanimator. Don't send that to me. Send that to somebody else. I, I'm not gonna. I'll I'll tell you what to add. It will be mesmeric orb, and it will be Ashnon's altar, and it will be altar of the brute. And those are my suggestions. Um, yeah. But if you got like yeah. a bad idea, send that send that over here. I'll eat that. Thing. <laughs> Let's eat that thing together, like a big ice yeah. cream. But not now. It's 2020, and there's a thing going on. Yeah, but right. like absolutely feel free. in fact feel free to say that I want, you know, that that you want multiple people to look at the deck because we'll probably give you very different recommendations. Oh yeah. And I th- and I th- I think that's actually good especially again if you're new to the deck like like don't um like like I actually mentioned with the giant tribal one I was kind of uh iffy like it just kind of taking someone's deck list and running it but I, but I mean actually literally don't be. Like if you see mm-hmm. somebody's deck and you think that deck is real fun 
play the deck and have fun. Like it's absolutely feel free to, you know, if you have fun building, build your own decks and play those. If you have fun just playing it, absolutely like, you know, look around for a fun deck list and just run that. Just run that thing. Yeah. Have fun. It is a game. And then add Mesmeric Orb and Altar Orb. of the Brood and <laughs> Altar of Dementia. Altar of Dementia and make the commander Bruvac. And have oh, no, you can them. run anyone. That's the thing. They're artifacts. <laughs> they go in any deck. They're colorless. <laughs> colorless works anyway. People always yeah. talk about Soul Ring. Auto include Mesmeric Orb, baby. Orb. Throw that everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> when you're land, you play a land and it mills. Um, mm. This has been Demonstrate the Loop. Um, we'll try to have the deck list that we talked about if they are online or whatever. We'll try to have some of those down there in the description for you to look at the entire thing there. Um, but yeah, um, if this helped you out at all, or if you're if you're new and you listen to this and you actually have any further questions, we were kind of we were basing this off of just kind of what we thought might be helpful. But if mm-hmm. you have actual questions for things that would be specifically helpful that would help us out a ton with doing this kind of thing. Um, I obviously mm-hmm. like, I know we want to do more episodes that reach more people. So just uh, send those to us via DM on any of our social medias or to our, um, to our email at dtlmtgpod at gmail.com. We're all over the internet. We are at, uh, you can look at us up at demonstrate the loop on Facebook. We are at demonstrate loop on Twitter at demonstrate the loop on Instagram. So feel free again to DM us with, if you want us to look at a deck, you have a deck idea, you have an episode idea, or if you have any questions that you just kind of want to pick our brains on, um, feel free to send those to us at any time. But other than that, I think we have demonstrated the loop. We will move to instep and concede. Goodbye, everyone. Sorry, we lost. (laughs) Sorry, Sorry, we conceded.